let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Okay? Now, you know, as a Messianic congregation, there are certain passages that we just love to talk about. So one of them is the second half of the, of the second chapter of Ephesians, right? Where Paul says, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, and we're one in Messiah. So we're going to talk about the verses that come before that today. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, approximately verses 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 of uh, Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, uh, the reason I, I want to speak about them, I thought about them actually uh, in regard to uh, Steve, but I also was thinking about another situation. Uh, I, I want to first say thank you to Eric Chabot uh, for at the last minute rising to the occasion and um, filling in for me, giving the message last week, uh, as well as everyone else that at the last minute participated in a variety of ways in the service. Uh, because uh, last uh, Shabbat, I was in Akron uh, at a funeral. I was speaking at, at a funeral uh, for a friend. Uh, many years ago, many, I have to say that, many, many, uh, years ago, uh, when I uh, first uh, uh, got all done with school and I came here, you know, I was living here and uh, attending Beth Messiah, but I was traveling around the state, speaking in churches and had Bible studies in different places. One was in uh, near Dayton uh, and in Akron uh, and in Cleveland and for a time in Toledo and in Lima also. Uh, and um, in Akron in particular, uh, we had an, a nice uh, little group that met, and there was a, a, a pastor and his wife uh, that attended. Uh, and I was like, you know, 24 years old, and they were uh, nearing their retirement at, at that time. Uh, and I used to, uh, you know, go over to their house and have dinner, and he, he would share things with me, just about leadership, principles, uh, anecdotal stories that really uh, have helped me all the way that through the years. And, you know, perhaps we all have people like that, that when you think about who you are today, you have little bits of somebody here and little bits of somebody here and little bit, you know. So uh, this man, Albert Johnson, and his wife, Helen, uh, played a particular role in, in my life for a season. Uh, and uh, so last year, Janet and I visited her. She was, uh, at that time... Uh, 90, uh, 98 years old. Uh, I had forgotten that when I sent an email, I actually made her a little younger. But she was 98, and now she passed away at age 99. And um, so when we visited her, she asked me if I, when the time came, if I would uh, uh, share at her uh, a funeral. And I, you know, I, I shared a little bit actually from this passage. Uh, uh, about being God's workmanship, uh, being uh, called as men and women uh, in varieties of ways. And I was thinking about this woman uh, who lived a great, we should all live such a life, uh, uh, 99 years of serving the Lord, uh, going through difficulty but never wavering in faith. Oh, wonderful, a wonderful, rich life. Uh, and, uh, and, then, uh, and then, of course, Steve, thinking about Steve Schneider also, in some ways tormented by certain things in, in his life, 
but, but being used by God in a very dynamic way. And it really, I think, uh, in a way speaks to all of us when we think about that. Uh, you know, when people pass away, it causes us to stop and think, you know, about our own mortality and, and so on and so forth. But anyway, so this passage in Ephesians 2 is worthy of our perusing uh, another time, even if we are quite familiar with it. So in verse 4 of chapter 2, Paul says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Messiah, for by grace you've been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Messiah Yeshua. For by grace you have been saved through faith. See, he's repeating it, and I'll tell you why in a minute. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So at the beginning of this letter, he is rejoicing in the coming of the new covenant. And at the very beginning of the letter, when he says in verse 3 of chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. What he is saying is, uh, there, is that, you know, Yeshua has come and he is the Messiah of Israel and he has inaugurated this new covenant and he has blessed us by inaugurating this new covenant. Okay. And he talks about all the different things that God has promised Israel, adoption, you know, intimacy, forgiveness of sins, all the things that the new covenant talks about, like, you know, in Jeremiah chapter 31 and elsewhere. Okay. So he begins by, by talking about the, the coming of the Messiah uh, and what it means, actually, to Israel. Now, you probably remember me painstakingly preaching through this for about 10 years, right? And we made all these points, and maybe someday we'll, we'll do it again. Um, but uh, I made a big deal about the pronouns uh, there. You know, we, right? Okay? And I would suggest that at the beginning of the letter, the very beginning of the letter, when he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He's actually referring to the remnant of Israel. Okay? Because when you get down to verse 13, he says in verse chapter 1, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, and so on. Okay? Then when you continue on, into uh, uh, chapter 2. He's continuing with you, okay? Uh, and he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So when you follow those pronouns down, you, he defines in verse 11. See? Gentiles. Okay? 
So what he's saying in chapters 1 and in, into chapter 2 is that this is great news. You know, the Messiah has come and he's inaugurated this new covenant that he promised Israel. And yes, uh, you know, these blessings, uh, we can experience them today, even though, you know, Yeshua is not sitting on his throne in Jerusalem yet, but yet, you know, present but not yet, uh, uh, we experience these things today. And then he says, and you too get to experience them along with us together. See? And he says to them, to these Ephesians, now remember, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, just like we were. See? So it's very important that we, we get that, that he speaks about Jews knowing the Lord and Gentiles knowing the Lord, but that we all have the same problem. Even though Israel is a called nation, we all have the same problem, being dead in our trespasses and sins. And, and he makes a, you know, verse 3 is very important of chapter 2, and he says, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh. And then at the very end of that verse, even as the rest. See? So that's why we know everybody is in need of the Messiah. Okay? Everybody, Jews and Gentiles. Jews who have this calling, who have been given the Torah, uh, called the nation of priests, and so on. Uh, all of us, by nature, children of wrath. Some of us can be very nice children of wrath. Some of us can be very philanthropic children of wrath. Some can, some can be better people than many believers I know, children of wrath, okay? It's a, it's a state of being, it's, it, you know? And what it, is, what it means is separated from God. And as we'll see, that's how he defines dead in the new covenant. Not as physically dead, but dead as being separated from God, okay? And of course, he frames all of this by recognizing that Yeshua is indeed the Messiah. He's not the Messiah because we think he's the Messiah. He's not the Messiah because we have believed in the Messiah. He is, even if nobody ever believed in him, right? Uh, and so when we uh, reject the Messiah of God, well, then we're in big trouble because we're separated from the forgiveness of God. We're separated from the ability to appropriate the blessings of the new covenant. See? Uh, and, and the reason is, is because we're not receiving the gift. But we're all in the same, in the same boat. See? And, uh, and so uh, that's why he says, God being rich of his mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead, he made us alive. In other words, nobody, nobody has uh, turned the corner and decided, well, I am going to uh, qualify for this uh, blessing of the appropriation of the, of the new covenant, of this intimacy with God, you know? Uh, it's not like, uh, uh, you know, if I, if I run the race uh, at real fast and I'm in under the wire, then I qualify for the Boston Marathon, you know? It doesn't work that way when it comes to our relationship with God, right? Nobody qualifies. We're all dead, even if we're really good people. And even if we are kind of a, a mystical, spiritual kind of people. Even if we feel like we know God, you know? 
uh, on our own terms we may, but not on his terms. See? His terms is the, the, we need to be forgiven of our sins. And that's quite clear all the way back to the Torah and why there was a sacrificial system. God loves animals, you know? Uh, but why do those animals have to die? Because people were dead in their sins, even called as Israel, as the nation of Israel, even called at Mount Sinai. They needed their sins atoned for, and those animals covered their sins, waiting for the day when God himself would come in the flesh and finally, just once and for all, deal with those sins. See? You know, in other places, in Romans chapter 5, we read there, while we were yet enemies. Use that word. That's a strong word. While we were yet enemies, Messiah came. And another place, in that very same chapter, in Romans chapter 5, he says, while we were helpless, so we're helpless, we're dead, uh, we're enemies, uh, uh, and God loves us so much that he created us to glorify his name and to live as fully orbed human beings, being satisfied, you know, in the world that God created for us. But because of sin, we seek satisfaction in all kinds of ways. And so it's like we're, we're dead people walking, you know? Uh, we, are, we think we're alive. We may create a whole infrastructure that makes us feel alive, but the reality is we're dead, kind of like the Matrix, right? This is where, if I had more time, I could go into that whole storyline, and that is so much of what it is. People thinking they're alive when they're really basically dead, see? And so it is so important for us to understand this is why we're so appreciative of what God has done for us. If we really believe that, we're, we become real appreciative of what he's done for us. So we were dead in our transgressions. Now, we read, uh, you know, in a lot of places, Paul describes uh, dead, right? He describes it, uh, for example, you know, even, in the, even when you're talking about Israel in Ezekiel 37, you know, the passage of the dry bones, right? The people were alive, right? But he, he sees a vision of, dry, of dead bones. And so even though they were physically alive, very much alive, and I'm sure many of those people were very nice people and you'd love to have them as your next door neighbor, hey, maybe you were related to some of them, right? Right. Uh, but they're dead. The, the whole nation is dead. And God breathes life and brings the nation back to life. Okay, in the Brit Hadashah, uh, in a variety of places, we read, for example, in Colossians uh, uh, chapter two, in verse uh, thirteen and fourteen, and when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Right. And so the forgiveness of our sins is what defines our new life in him. Very important to understand. And he, he uses death in a variety of, of uh, texts. But here in Ephesians chapter 2, we see that even though, even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Messiah and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Messiah Yeshua. So he made us alive. He made us alive by his death and resurrection. And when we embrace that truth, when we identify with the Lord, we become alive. 
our sins are forgiven. Now, we may not feel, you know, it's not a feeling, but there's emotion. We're, we're made of emotions tied in with everything else. But we need to, by faith, remember that we are now alive. Now, when it says he seated us in heavenly places, we get this picture. Don't we get this picture of like, there I go, you know, and I'm up there. I, I never was good at the harp before, but, you know, uh, there, there we go. I, but the fact of the matter is, when it says he seated us in heavenly places, may I suggest it is a euphemism by being in an intimate relationship with him. And being seated with him in heaven is where you are in relationship to God. That it's not uh, uh, leaving ourselves like, like the goal is to leave this, you know, leave this world and to sort of like be in the clouds or, or to remove ourselves from society and just sort of be a cloistered person and, and sort of like in that way I'm experiencing like heaven with God. No, heaven with God is the sphere in which we live in the Lord. Very important. The sphere in which we live in the Lord. And so you can be in the most dire of circumstances in your life, but experiencing heavenly places because of this, uh, this joy unspeakable of this sphere of, of dwelling in the Lord. See? Uh, and that, again, comes in, in recognizing what the Messiah has done for us and in uh, embracing uh, Yeshua. You notice back in chapter 1 and verse 13, it says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, having also believed. That's what it is. Listening to the, believing the message. Believing the message of Yeshua. We become alive when we identify with him. And it's not just, not just saying, now I'll put that on my doctrinal statement, but there is this uh, transaction that takes place within us uh, that makes us uh, indeed uh, alive. Okay? So then he goes on to say here, in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Messiah Yeshua. Now, you know, when he says that, he's saying that we become like the testament, we become exhibit A of this is what it means that the Messiah has come. This is what life looks like in order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us, right? And so uh, in showing that, we are, he's show, showing that means showing us that we become the living, breathing exhibit of what life means. And that has to do with the way that we understand our world, the way that we relate to each other, and what we do with our lives, and what we do with our lives. Okay? So then he goes on to say, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. He is fighting against a particular teaching here that we have today. That it's not grace, it's not mercy. That I, as long as I can uh, do the right things, then God will be happy with me. That is ingrained in us, right? Uh, and that is what he's dealing with here. And so he's reminding that it's by grace, by the unmerited favor of God that you have been delivered 
through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. But then he shifts gears and he says, for we are his workmanship, created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so he says that we are his workmanship. We are what he has made. Uh, we are his, uh, uh, his special uh, creation. Now, it's interesting that he uses the word uh, create in the same uh, sentence. For we are, it's like we are his creation, created. But he uses a different word here for workmanship. And it's very interesting that I, uh, the word is one of those words with the semantic range that's really interesting. So it could be, it could refer to something unique, special, like a work of art, for example, a masterpiece. That's what he's trying to convey here. That we, as in humanity, human beings, both individually and collectively, are this unique creation of God. And we're created in Messiah Yeshua for good works. What are these good works? I would suggest that he's referring, because of the way the rest of the letter plays out, he's referring to the way of life that God has given his redeemed people, and that is the Torah way of life in general. You know, uh, uh, living out the way of uh, way of life, and because it's the greatest way of life. And that is why you read in the Psalms, how I love the law, how I love the Torah, how I love your precepts, how I love your statutes. I don't have time to read them all, but boy, uh, we're in Psalm 119 on Tuesday nights and Wednesday mornings, and uh, the psalmist bends over backwards. It's like having a love affair with laws, you know? Uh, I love the Torah. Uh, I, 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 uh, you know, I love it. it it's uh, sweeter than honey, right? Uh, you can think of a variety of songs. And what do we read like at the very beginning of the Psalms in Psalm 1? That the man who walks with God finds his delight. That means his joy in meditating on the law. Now, lots of people will say, no, what it really means is just the Bible, the word of God. Well, yes. You could apply it that way, but don't let your systematic theology get in the way of the truth, right? That the, he's talking about the Torah. He's talking about like this part of this week's Torah portion and next week's Torah portion and, and, and all of that. How can he find such joy in it? Not through looking at it as a law code to make sure that he measures up, but recognizing it as a way of life that uh, uh, de declares, one might say, the, the uniqueness, the workmanship that we are in the way that we relate to one another and in the way that we relate, indeed, uh, to God. So whether we're talking about in general or specifically, he's created us to live a kind of life that is robust and satisfying. But it says, in Messiah Yeshua, when we embrace the Messiah, we now are on the road to being the men and women that God originally intended for humanity to be. Not dead in our trespasses and sins, but alive 
in the way that God originally intended for us to be. And that is not a life of, of, uh, you know, uh, of regret and a life of, with a worldview of such, um, uh, you know, of, uh, of sin and of broken relationships and, and tsuris, you know, uh, those kinds of things. Uh, but a robust life in him. Now, because of the nature of sin in this world, we're stuck in it. We, we can't exactly uh, live completely without uh, some kind of the effects of sin. But even though we are able to navigate those rough waters, it's like, it's like you know, the world of sin is the sea and we're like in a lifeboat uh, with the Lord and we're not going to tip over. You know, and we're not going to be captured uh, by, uh, you know, a bad people or anything like that. All right. Uh, but we're safe in that and secure in that boat, indeed, with the Lord. And this is what made me think of Steve Schneider. This is why it made me think of him. In that, without the Lord, Steve would really have been just a guy floating through life with lots of issues in many ways. But because of him embracing the Lord, he was, despite the issues that he had in his life, God used him in this great way, in this robust way. And he, you know, had great joy in serving the Lord because God did not see him, uh, you know, the way people might see him. And that's true for all of us. God does not see us the way that, uh, you know, others might see us. For example, you know, no matter if we're Jewish or Gentile, rich or poor, whatever our level of education, no matter if we're a quiet person, a loud person, a funny person, a good communicator, somebody who stutters or can't even speak, if we have learning disabilities, a variety of disabilities, that's not what God sees. And he does not judge our worthiness to serve him based on any of that. It's all grace. It's all who Yeshua is. And he, he has created each and every one of us, and he uses every single one of us in, uh, to, to the most when we are connected to him, when we are alive. When we're dead, we only can do as best we can with the natural gifts and talents we have. But when we are alive to God, Amazing things happen. We understand that we are significant to God. That uh, there is a, a variety of important ways that we can serve him. And we become, again, the men and women, the unique humanity in the image and likeness of God. We really become those image bearers of God. And that is really, you know, think about Steve Schneider, an image bearer of God. And when I think of all of us, image bearers of God. And may we be so, and may we do so. And may we realize that we are indeed his workmanship, collectively and individually. And so may we be encouraged. May we live that way. And if we've never really embraced Yeshua, may we become alive in him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for uh, uh, this great word Lord, I do pray that we might recognize that we are indeed your workmanship. Lord, we might look at our lives and say, well, I didn't accomplish this and I haven't accomplished that. 
I wanted to do this, and I thought maybe I'd do that. Uh, uh, but Lord, I pray that we might recognize that what you've called us to is a way of life, Lord. And so, in whatever we do, as we read in the Brit Chadashah, in whatever we do, may we do so by uh, your power and, uh, and as a way of glorifying your name. Lord, and I pray, God, that we might recognize that so that when we have difficulty at work or we have difficulty in relationships, that we might realize that we are not defined by others, but we are defined by you and we are indeed your masterpiece, Lord. And may we walk in such a way, Lord, worthy of that calling. And we pray in Messiah's name, amen.